0: Hey, hey, welcome back. It's another edition of the Wobcast. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, coming to you from TCO Studios at Winter Park. Producer Nate Vaughn is here. How did the Vikings do in the 2017 NFL Draft? That is the theme of today's Wobcast. We're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to find out how you guys feel. We're going to talk about how we feel, and we're going to bring in a special guest. We'll have fan email. We'll have the Good Morning Football crew opining on Dalvin Cook. But first, we have a special guest, and we're going to get right to it. It's Greg McElroy of Sirius XM College Sports Nation here to talk about the Vikings' 2017 haul in the NFL draft. All right, our guest today on the Wobcast is the one and only Greg McElroy of Sirius XM College Sports Nation. Uh, Greg, also a studio and color analyst for ESPN's college football coverage, Uh, Where I've heard Greg the most recently, though, um, and what motivated me to reach out to him was the time that Greg spent with Sirius XM NFL radio, uh, spending a couple of mornings a week breaking down the college prospects for the draft uh, with avid NFL listeners uh, tuning in, including myself. So welcome, Greg, and thank you for taking a few minutes to talk Vikings draft with us.
1: Oh you got it I appreciate you guys having me on i uh, I think I for one uh, and alongside many other Vikings fans are are very pleased with what transpired last week when how things went down in Philadelphia
0: well good yeah we are too and you know we didn't have a first round pick but we were still hoping we could come out of the draft with first round talent do you think we did that with Dalvin Cook?
1: I couldn't be happier with the fit. I had Dalvin Cook as my number twelve player overall. Now, granted, I don't have, I don't have access to the FBI findings and all the things that these NFL teams have up their sleeve in regards to figuring out what the character looks like of these young men. I go based solely on tape and tape alone, and I thought he was the twelfth best player in the draft, regardless of position. He's explosive. He's big. Uh, he, he does have the shoulder injuries, which I know are of concern. But I've talked to several people in Tallahassee who you he was a, a guy that, that was extremely well-liked in the locker room and a, a guy that, that they're sad to see go because yeah. he, they felt that if he was back in a Seminoles uniform next year, the chance and likelihood of them being in contention for a national championship it is extremely high. So as soon as I saw that pick go in and come off the board, I just grinned ear to ear because I thought it was an absolute steal. At one point, guys, I had him as my number one back in the entire NFL draft, and it wasn't necessarily due to my distaste for Christian McCaffrey or Leonard Fournette. It was just my appreciation for how good Dalvin Cook was over the course of his college career. So. Yeah. Uh, okay. Considering they addressed the position of free agency, now they have a nice one two punch. I, I think that that's going to be very, very nice for whoever lines up a quarterback for Minnesota next year.
0: Yeah. You know, and I know, Greg, that for, for you fellas who are analyzing every prospect and you're doing it year after year, you know, sometimes the comparison game can be a little bit dangerous because you don't want to compare a player to another player because that can limit the scope of your evaluation. But I think for fans you know, who are listening, it can be helpful to have an NFL comparison for a guy so that they can have a mind's eye picture of who this player is. Do you have an NFL comparison for Dalvin Cook for Vikings fans?
1: Yeah, he, he reminds me of Ezekiel Elliott. And he, he's not quite as good – out of the backfield as a pass catcher, as Ezekiel Elliott was. Yeah. But, but he is, I think he has that level of explosiveness. Now, granted, uh, now Tony Sperano was brought in to, to to be the the offensive line, I guess, whisperer, and I know that that's still a position in which they need to improve. And had Dalvin Cook gone to the Dallas Cowboys, who knows what it would have been, and Had Ezekiel Elliott gone elsewhere with a subpar offensive line, would his production be the same? I I, I can't tell you those things that are unknown. But I think if you just watch the way he moves, the way he glides, the way he accelerates in his first 10 yards and really his first four steps, if he gets the four steps, he's almost at full speed almost immediately. I mean, it's impressive. And I had a a college coach tell me last year uh, completely – completely off the record and I asked them just because we were in our in our crew myself Tom Luganville who covers recruiting and then Dave Pash you who know, does NFL for the Cardinals and and uh obviously works at ESPN we yeah were having a about we had everybody we said who do you like better Fournette or Cook and this particular coach said that I've never seen anyone as explosive and I've recruited them all Ezekiel Elliott uh Leonard Fournette Dalvin Cook. Uh, he's recruited just about everybody, and, and he said that Dalvin Cook is, in fact, the most explosive. So I, I, I just am, am so excited for him to end up at a place that that is going to feature him, and I think give him some opportunities. But uh, you know, I, I just don't think he's going to be operating under the microscope in Minnesota the same way he would be if he landed in New York or. Los Angeles to a certain extent or a place where every single move that he might make make or every mistake he might make would be magnified to the
0: greatest degree. Yeah, I think that's a good point too, Greg. And, you know, I mean, NFL teams have, uh, as you well know, because you played in the league, you came from a big time program in Alabama and then you played in the league NFL teams like a lot of the top college programs, but every NFL team has a structure in place for player development whether it's just maturity, or whether it's um, you know character concerns, or what they want to do in their in their free time in the offseason. and so every team puts a plan in place for guys, and and Dalvin Cook will fall into that just like the rest of the draft picks. But you're right on the field, the explosiveness, and that's really something the Vikings offense lacked last year was picking up plays um, in with chunk yards and and driving the ball down the field. Hopefully, Dalvin Cook can help us with that. Uh, someone who can help Delvin Cook help us with that is the Vikings' third-round pick, Pat Elfline. Very curious to hear your thoughts on him in general. And then also, um, there's a big guard or center question with Pat Elfline that I think a lot of people in Minnesota will be chewing on this offseason. Curious about your thoughts on that as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that that, that really is the question. I think he's a more natural guard. Uh, to be honest with you. I see him in, a, in kind of a right guard mold, but he, of course, had to slide to center this past year at kind of a neat position for the Buckeyes and, and played r- real well. I wouldn't say that he dominated, which I, I think was a bit of concern. Um, if you just look at o, the O-line at Ohio State in general, there wasn't really a sound piece that just played their tail off. But Elfline was the most consistent, and I do think he'll do quite well. I really do. It's just a matter of what position is he going to end up playing. I I really think he'd be better suited at guard, frankly. And uh, if that's where he ends up, then, then that would be great. I also thought that they they would address the offensive of line uh, a little bit more. Um, I know that they drafted Isadora, yep. Danny Isadora from Miami, there in the fifth round. I believe it was pick 180. And, and he was – Kind of an interesting prospect. He played right in college. I think he projects more to the left uh, in the NFL. So it's it's going to be interesting to see the way the Vikings piece together those those new personnel and the, and the acquisitions. Uh, but if there's anyone I trust to do it, it's Tony Sperano. So I know that I know that he'll definitely bring out the best in those guys. And Elfline, um albeit I think maybe just a little bit limited physically, he's a guy you trust, and, and you know that you're going to get solid output from him. Now, does he have the feeling of a Pouncy Twins or or of Travis Frederick? No. Uh, And he's not going to grow, I think, and be quite as dominant as those guys have become. But I think you know what you're getting. And that's a good locker room guy who's a fighter who will play his tail off all the way to the end of the whistle. And and uh, will be, I think, a nice capstone piece to the group up front for the next eight to ten years.
0: Awesome to hear, and you know, we actually had a chance to talk with him right after we selected him. Greg, we FaceTimed with uh, with Pat Elfline and put it up on the website. He was super pumped uh, to be a Viking, and I think you're right he he should fit in right uh, he should fit right in with with our offensive line group. Um, I'm going to go out of order here and go further down the draft um, to where the Vikings got tight end Bucky Hodges. They got him uh, in the sixth round um, after a trade uh, that they made with Washington. And I'm very curious your thoughts on Bucky Hodges. And did he fall because he's some might think he's one-dimensional? Is there another reason he fell that far? Because it seemed like he was pretty well-regarded heading into the draft.
1: Well, he's kind of a tweener, you know, I, I, he's not really, I know his size would indicate that he's a tight end, but he's kind of like a gigantic slot receiver. Okay. He he, he never really put his hands in the dirt and was used in a traditional set. Now that's okay because neither did Evan Ingram who went 23, seldom did David Najoku who went to the Bengals at the end of the, or to the Browns at the end of the first round. And OJ Howard, uh, He he was more in line than he was a receiver, and he was praised for his receiving ability. So uh, it's hard to really look at tight ends in the NFL versus college because they're just different animals. One thing I do think he has, he, of course, has length, and that is difficult to teach. Um, But I I just don't think that he's going to be a real featured acquisition. Of course, Rudolph is, is the man. Um, So it's a matter of how they use him. Do they use him in shifts? Do they put him in isolations and one-on-one on the outside? Neither of which would surprise me. Bucky Hodges also, I think he's got a lot of room to grow in regards to his route running. A majority of what he did was just vertical down the field. Hey, go be an athlete, son. That's kind of how it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not really his fault. But I I think the tape just didn't necessarily indicate him being uh, a higher pick than he was. I just didn't see the same level of versatility that I saw with some of the other players at the position. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him. If used correctly, I think he could develop into a nice, productive player. But if used incorrectly, uh, I think he could fizzle quickly.
0: So he's a I think he's a high risk high reward or a low risk high reward pick, and uh, it'll be real fascinating to see how they use him. Yeah, and I think in a matchup league, which the NFL is, um, you know, you hope sure. you hope you can find a, a creative way to use them. Maybe in the red zone, which is an area where the Vikings um, have an opportunity to improve. Um, you know, we had a big draft class, Greg, but um, we don't have time to talk about all of them. So I'm going to bring up um, one more position, but then I want to talk a little bit about uh, about you and an overall draft question. So we're going to move on quickly from our class after this question. We lost Cordero Patterson. Greg, who was not just a wide receiver as you know, he was our kickoff returner and for my money, uh, the best in the NFL. So we lose that uh, two-way player and he was also a gunner on our punt team, so really kind of a three-way player. But we drafted two receivers. We drafted Rodney Adams and we drafted Stacy Coley. And so I just kind of like to hear your thoughts on, on one of those two, if you prefer one over the other or both of them. I know you have an evaluation on both because you have an evaluation on everyone. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> Stacey Coley and Rodney Adams, um, two guys the Vikings picked up on day three, and, and they both look to be pretty good playmakers with the ball in their hands.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, I'm kind of anxious to see what Laquan Treadwell does as he continues to blossom and develop. I know it was a little bit of an underachieving rookie year, but I. I love that kid coming out of college and love him today. I, I think that he still has stardom in this midst. And uh, it's just a matter of, of starting to harness and, and understand what it takes to be successful receiver at that level. Um, I, I think obviously Adam, it, it was an obvious pick in large part due to what he did uh, in the return game. I mean, he is outstanding. I believe he averaged somewhere around 30 yards uh, per kick return and, and, a 97-yard score a couple years ago. So he's very versatile in the return games. Check that box there with Rodney Adams. And Stacey Coley's a guy I really like. I know that he had some issues and inconsistent levels of consistency uh, over the course of his time at Miami. But uh, from what I understand, and, and having talked to Mark Rick, and we did three Miami games last year, and Stacy Coley was a guy that finally figured it out his senior year. I guess prior to him getting into his last year, he was one of those guys that, you know, oh, you know, my hamstring's a little bit tight. I don't know if I can go today. Uh, you know, my, my shoulder, I slept on it weird. I, I, I think I'm going to have to take today's practice off. I guess the light suddenly went on last year, and he became much more professional about his preparation. And as a result, I I think it led to a little bit better season. So now that I think he's figured it out, he's got the skill set to be an NFL wide receiver, but can he develop uh, some of the other attributes and the maturity necessary to become a successful NFL receiver? So he's an interesting prospect just because of how much he underachieved over the course of his first few years. And then I think last year when the light went on, it just didn't have enough time to continue to showcase uh, the ascent that he was making. So maybe he continues to take strides. But I like that they addressed uh, address both positions there with Rodney Adams hitting the kick return. I don't love him as a receiver, but I do think that he'll be good in the return game. And then, who knows, maybe in the seventh round uh, in, in pick. Two nineteen, you you catch lightning in a bottle with
0: Stacey Coley. Yeah, yeah, hope so. You know, and, and the Vikings have lacked offensive punch, um, Greg, as as you've observed, I'm sure. And um, it's funny, uh, two years ago, you look at the box score for the Florida State Miami game. I mean, Dalvin Cook had 222 yards rushing, two touchdowns, and he had a receiving touchdown. In that game, Stacy Coley had 140 yards receiving on nine catches, and he had a touchdown. So, I mean, you're talking about guys who can fill up the box score. Bucky Hodges had, I think, three touchdowns in his game against the Hurricanes last year. That was a game that Rick Spielman went to. The Vikings wind up with Bucky Hodges, uh, Danny Isadora, and Stacy Coley from that game alone. So, you can definitely see an emphasis on. Offense for the Vikings this offseason. Add to that uh, in free agency what the Vikings did, and hopefully uh, we can add a little punch to our offense this season, right?
1: Yeah, I think that there's a real possibility. Obviously, it's so much of it comes down to quarterback play. And, yeah. Uh, whether it's Sam or, uh, you know, obviously you hope the best for Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I, I've known Sam for 10 years, and, and he, can, he can play, man, but he's never really been afforded uh, a tremendous supporting cast. So, Uh, I'm kind of hoping that he gets that opportunity, and and I I think that some of the additions that were made, especially Dalvin Cook, I mean, he's an instant impact uh, potential Pro Bowl rookie if, in fact, he can turn it on and and the offensive line comes together and and he gets the touches necessary to be successful. So uh, I I think that that it just depends so much on, on who's taking the snaps from under center, and I know with the decline fifth-year option on Teddy, I know he's in a hurry to get back as quickly as possible. And I hope he can. I hope he can once again get to the point where he can be a successful player because based on his performance a couple years ago, he had you know, the makings of a franchise quarterback without question and the guy that should have won in a playoff game early in his career. So yeah. uh, I think that's what it comes down to. You can build the bill to pieces and – and uh, And surround them with the greatest supporting cast ever. If you don't have a guy pulling the trigger that can be a high-level player, it's going to be limited. It's going to limit your ceiling. So uh, that's what I hope for for Vikings fans that they can find uh, some quality uh, to allow those quarterbacks to best show the attributes necessary to be successful.
0: Yeah, that's that's very well said. Hey, before we go, Greg, I want to talk to you about one more thing. Um, Just just reminding people about your career with with Alabama. Um, you know, you had a fourteen and zero season uh, that ended in a national uh, championship with a win over Texas and uh, at the Rose Bowl in the BCS title game. Tell us about that season, or, or any guys you played with on that team who ended up being really good NFL players, and, and what happened in that title game. Just your memories from what was obviously a very important year in your life.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, when I think back, and in the SEC championship, it's pretty amazing. In that game. I'm not sure there was a starter between us and the Florida Gators it was in 2009. I'm not sure there was a starter on either side that didn't play at least a couple of years in the NFL. Wow. Uh, I was on the shorter end. Uh, I played three years uh, on, the, on the roster in the NFL. So that was minimal compared to that of Julio Jones, uh, you know, Percy Harvin, uh, of course – you think to some of the great players that we had on defense at the time: Rolando McClain uh, couldn't get out of his own way. Mark Barron, um, wow. K- uh, Kareem Jackson. Uh, on the other side, we had Drake Kirkpatrick, who was a backup. We, I mean, it was D. Milner, who was a freshman. I mean, it was truly insane. My running backs were Trent Richardson, Mark Ingram, Eddie Lacy were the three running backs. Uh, and I mean, it That's was unreal. It was it was insane, absolutely insane. James Carpenter was the left tackle. He is going on year seven in in, uh, in New York. Uh, the the actual actually the center William Vallejo, he, he didn't play, but everyone else it seems like on twenty two on all either on side. And then for the Gators, I mean, it was ridiculous. Major Wright, um, Aaron Hernandez, uh, Riley Cooper, <laughs> Keebo, the both pouncies, both palties, which is amazing, on the same offensive line. Yep. Uh, the corner from from Cleveland, Joe Hayden. Uh, I mean, it was it was a who's who of uh, of guys that that played a long time in the National Football League. Dante Hightower, goodness, I could keep going on and right. on. But yeah, it was a special year, and I think back now to some of my teammates, man. I mean, backups that were backups that were backups got drafted in the first round. Yep. It, it's just it's amazing. Uh, the amount of talent that's stockpiled in Tuscaloosa and in the SEC in general, and uh, I know that, that NFL talent executives they get fired up about those college football Saturdays in the South, and and especially those in Tuscaloosa because the talent that's on display is just absolutely insane.
0: Yeah, you know, and the Vikings wound up with Percy Harvin from from that group of players you mentioned in nine. Yeah, and. Yeah key part of our run to the title game, and we got really the best four years out that Percy had in the NFL were with the Vikings. Since he, he left, you know, it just hasn't gone his way. But um, you, you ended up with the Jets and then with the Bengals. Did you ever get a sniff, Greg, from the Vikings during that time?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think back. Yes, actually. Good. Um, I remember when I was at Senior Bowl and I had gotten – uh asked in for the Vikings to bring their whole contingent or at least they did. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure if they still do, but they brought their whole contingent down to the senior bowl and they rent out this huge reel by far the most square footage of any other team at the senior bowl. And they asked me to the back and uh and they you know, we had a nice long thirty minute conversation seeing what they what I thought me a bunch of questions and really enjoyed it. I was like, man, I hit it off with the Vikings. This is this is a pretty good deal. Minneapolis, one of my favorite cities. This is going to be fantastic. I'm going to be a Viking. Uh, and then, sure enough, uh, I walk out of the room and Christian Ponder walks in. And of course, the same year I was drafted, Christian Ponder went 12th overall to the Vikings, which eliminated them from my list of contention there yeah. uh, early on Thursday, where I had to wait an additional 200 picks almost, or 190 picks before my name was called. So, uh, no, I, I did get some sniffs and, and would have loved to have been up there. It's a great staff, and I have, uh, I have a lot of respect for Coach Zimmer and, and those guys, and, and I had a chance to be with Coach Zimmer when we were in Cincinnati together. So I'm just so happy for him that, that he got his shot. And I know he's looking forward to continuing to build on on uh, what was a decent start to the season, not a great finish last year, but I know they're, they're looking to, to continue to build on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, they are, you know, and, and everyone loves Coach Zimmer around here, and that's a good thing. And uh, I had forgotten that that you two shared that year until um, until I looked it up. So I'm looking forward to to uh, to bringing that up with him the next time we can chat. And yeah,
1: uh, he lets them mess with him. He actually knows my dad too, and uh, I'm I grew up in Southlake, Texas, and Zim actually lived in Southlake, Texas, uh, while he was coaching for the Cowboys.
0: And wow, my dad
1: worked for the Cowboys. So me and Zim go back a long way. And I really genuinely mean it. I'm not sure there was a person on this earth that was more happy for him than me uh, when he finally got his head coaching opportunity in Minnesota. I really believe that that he's the right, he's going to do a great job there. I really do. And uh, you look at the way they drafted this year. I think everyone, self included, feels as though that was an outstanding draft, especially considering you didn't have a first round pick. Yeah. Um, but but it's an exciting time, I think, for them. And uh, I know that the NFC North is is Not easy, but I know that it makes it a lot easier for Vikings fans knowing that the Bears had a dreadful draft by all accounts. So. I don't know that they're feeling a little bit better in that
0: regard. Yeah, you know, and and that was a shocker when the Bears did what they did. And if they're right on the guy, everyone will think they're geniuses. And if they're not, you know, people will not think they're geniuses. Um, and for our hopes, obviously, we're hope they're not they're not right about Mitchell Trubisky. But <laughs> time will tell. And yeah, the the Vikings are looking forward to getting back out on the field after what was a disappointing. Um, you know 2016 and build on what they had going in 2015 and, and we'll see what happens um, and we'd like to have you along for the ride so maybe we can get you back on the program again down the road uh, once we get closer to the season because this was awesome you are a, a busy guy you have a lot going on um, especially with your radio stuff and you just took 25 minutes with us and we really appreciate it greg happy to
1: do it man glad i could uh, glad i could help out and like I said, really happy for your fan base. I think you guys have a lot of a lot of excitement in your future based on this most recent draft.
0: Well, we're going to keep our eyes on the field here this weekend because we have rookie uh, rookie camp coming up Thursday through Sunday. So I'll shoot you a note or two about some of our guys, and that way you can stay up to date with uh, with how our guys are doing.
1: That's great. I look forward to hearing from you.
0: Okay, thanks for your time, Greg. We'll talk soon.
1: All right, buddy. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Well, Nate, um, Greg McElroy knows his stuff, obviously. Yes, he does. Like, he knew that we had Danny, like, just off the top of his head, he's like, yeah, Isadora, you got, I think, with the pick 180. Yeah. Like, he just right. knew that. Yeah. Maybe great. he was looking at a sheet, and if he was, he made it sound natural, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if he knew that it was 180. And I listened to Greg on Sirius NFL Radio on my drive-in um, two days a week for, like, the last six weeks. Um and, and he's got something on every player that that was brought up fans would call in and ask a question about a player or about their team uh, the host Bob Papa or Ross Tucker whoever was with him would bring up a player and McElroy had an eval on everyone it's fun to listen to a guy like that talk about some of these players and
2: it was cool to hear him at the end of the interview talk about the Alabama Florida game and the SEC yeah. championship that year yeah. and then also his ties to coach Zimmer yep. run a little bit deeper than, than yeah. most just players in the yeah, NFL
0: it's good stuff and so I I think we should keep him kind of close. I think we should reach out to him every now and then and have him be sort of a, an occasional guest on the Wobcast because he can drop some knowledge, um, you know, he's well-spoken, he knows his stuff, and he was very optimistic and positive on the Vikings, and uh, it'd be fun to kind of have his thoughts on various things as they unfold, including NFL stuff as the regular season draws near. So we'll keep him in mind uh, as a as a guest on future Wobcasts. Um, let's go to someone or a group of people who contribute a lot to the Wobcast, the Good Morning Football crew. Let's continue our conversation about the Vikings draft and specifically about Dalvin Cook. This clip is on the website right now in video form, but in case you have not watched it or if it was a while ago when you did watch it, we wanted to bring it back into the fold here on the webcast because I thought there were some very good points made by Nate Burleson, Peter Schrager, and Kyle Brandt. Take a listen to these guys talking about Delvin Cook.
3: On another team that everybody's excited about, hoping to see if they can get back to where they were a couple years ago, or even last year at the beginning of the season, the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. The Minnesota Vikings is a team that, at one point, we thought, they're starting off as strong as anybody. They have everything going for them, even with the injury of Bridgewater and Adrian Peterson. That defense just anchored uh, the offense, and they were successful at the beginning of the year. But this draft, I felt like they got one of the premier running backs in the game in Dalvin Cook. Just right off the bat, some would say he was the best back in football. When you listen to him, he'll tell you himself that I am the best back and the compliment that he's going to have with Latavius Murray, who they got in free agency. You got McKinnon, who's still on the roster. And then you have this young man who can do just about everything. Check out how he runs after he gets hit. We talk about yards after catch from the wide receiver position. What about yards after contact at the running back position? Now, listen, you're not going to get Adrian Peterson from one individual. But What you can do is piece together two or three guys, that can probably build something close to what Adrian Peterson was able to provide. Now, you add that with the offense, Stephon Diggs, Steelen, Rudolph, Randolph, you have all these different players that can make plays. I like the fact that Dalvin Cook is in a position where they're going to want to run the ball because in that division, when you have Aaron Rodgers, when you have Matt Stafford, yeah, if I don't know Glennon or mm-hmm. Trubisky, you're going to have to run the ball to keep those quarterbacks on the sideline. And Cook might be that guy. Really? That's cute at the end of the Chicago. He did. He did. Was that, nice. was, that, that was coming. nice. I didn't it want to. Really play. Play. The Vikings. A lot of
2: fans are Good saying we didn't even
1: have, have a first-round pick. Their first-round pick was Sam Bradford. Yep. And I think a lot of I think yep. he. You might say he might have a better mm. season than all these rookies next year. So Bradford was the first-round pick, yep. just like Cooks was for the Patriots.
3: What I like about Dalvin is in those highlights, you see him having the big runs, the '70s, the '80s. And running backs get run down, especially playing against the ACC. The corners, the safeties run them down. There's maybe five or six guys in the NFL who can go 80 yards. I think they just got one.
0: All right, good stuff from those guys, Nate. Two things I want to go over from what they said that I thought were important, and then I'd like to hear your thoughts on them too if you have any. The importance of being able to run the ball in the NFC North. It's a pass-happy league. It's a league driven by quarterbacks. But the Vikings made a concerted effort this offseason to improve in the running game. They signed two starting tackles whose forte is run blocking. Um, they signed Latavius Murray. Then they drafted Dalvin Cook and they drafted Pat Elfline to help with uh, with run blocking. And in a division where Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford um, are there and are productive still and in the in the middle of the prime of their careers probably good for a team built around its defense to be able to run the ball right yeah and I think there's something to be said
2: for just creating your own identity Mm -hmm. and the Vikings this offseason have decided it's pretty obvious that they want to get better at running the ball if not make running the ball their identity right and they've attacked that like you said in free agency uh and through the draft both with the offensive line and running back additions so uh that's something I think uh is pretty obvious that they're putting a big effort into and something I think Vikings fans could be excited about.
0: Yeah, and it does kind of mesh with with Vikings brand and identity, right? Smash mouth, physical, mm-hmm. bold, up north, black and blue division, defense, running game, like that That fits us. That's what we are. Yeah. So that's cool. Um Now, you want to sprinkle in a little bit of spice here and there uh, with the home run hitter, and you did that with Dalvin Cook, and I thought that The guys also made a good point about, hey, you didn't have a first-round pick, but you still got a home run hitter in Dalvin Cook, a guy who can score from anywhere on the field. That's a pretty good deal to get a guy like that who's explosive and is a big play guy without a first-round pick. And remember, your first-round pick is actually Sam Bradford, your starting quarterback, who would have been the first pick overall in the draft if he was in this class and he's still in the middle of his career. So uh, good points by those guys.
2: Home run hitters are good fantasy football players.
0: They are indeed. I see what you just did. We're going to talk fantasy football because it's never too early to talk about fantasy football. And NFL Network has done that recently, and they did so with Michael Fabiano, who is like their senior fantasy expert and analyst. We talked with Michael when we were in Los Angeles earlier in the offseason. Brought up uh, Kyle Rudolph. Talked about um, some fantasy implications with the Vikings and with Rudy with him. While Fabiano and his crew got together to talk a little fantasy football as it relates to the rookie class. Who will be the first rookies off the board in 2017 fantasy football? Take a listen. (laughs)
4: So let's have our own draft, though. How about that? Uh, We will draft two rookies apiece in this 18 league, let's say, only drafting rookies in this fantasy mock um and because i'm kind of the person to put together i'm gonna take the first pick um and that first pick i think is as you How mentioned you a little bit earlier? Yeah, i don't like show, that either low-hanging yeah. fruit leonard fournette and yep. it's all about opportunity and he when you're drafted in the top five and you are a running back and you have tom coughlin in the front office and you know what style of football they are looking to play after loading up that defensive side of the ball last year and in free agency they're gonna run a ball a lot he's gonna have opportunities and typically when you're drafting an unknown commodity like a rookie that's what you want. Opportunities. Ornette's going to have them. I'm comfortable with that. I know that. you
3: have me at the fourth fourth pick, but I'm jumping up to the second pick right here. I'm going with O.J. Howard. What? I love O.J. Howard. Uh, I love how big and physical he is, but I, I like what he does for James Winston. I, look, I had to jump you to get here. I traded up to this second pick because O.J. Howard is going to be special. I think you, you get a tight end and you get the matchup that he's going to get. I think he wins those on a more consistent basis, especially in the red zone. That's why I had to go up yeah. and get him. My, think about that thing. jump
4: to Jameis, year two to year three. Oh, you, expect. How about it, Elliot?
2: You bet. Well, this guy may not be a tight end, but he's almost big enough to be when Mike Williams about 6'4", 220. <laughs>
4: You know, with Phillip
2: Rivers the last few years, he's been throwing to CFL cast offs and sloppy seconds of other teams. Yep. And you know, it's it's just after a while you're like, give the guy a little bit of help. Well, they gave him help. Now I know they had Keenan Allen, mm-hmm. but Keenan Allen has not been able to stay healthy. Mike Williams, red zone target. Love it.
4: All right, fabs, you're up.
2: Dalvin Cook, who I believe will unseat
4: Latavius Murray
2: uh, atop the depth chart there in Minnesota sooner rather than later. A three-down back who was a first-round talent who fell into the second round because of some off-field stuff. Uh, Very talented guy. Could be a featured back sooner than later. And then at number five, let's go Corey Davis, Tennessee Titans. Uh, This guy, I believe, will be drafted in the eighth or ninth round in seasonal leagues. I mentioned he's been compared to Terrell Owens. He's going to go in and be the number one wide receiver for Marcus Mariota. And that offense could be scary they got a lot of talent on that offense, and I think Davis is the best wide receiver in that
4: group. All right, back to you, Elliot.
2: You know, I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey here. I I like everything that this guy can do, whether it's catching the ball, running the ball, maybe they can use him in the return game. Either way, you're going to get fantasy points, especially if you're in a return league and they use him in that manner. But the main thing is Jonathan Stewart has not played 16 games for the Carolina Panthers since 2011. So at worst, he's a great handcuff for you. Christian McCaffrey, you seem right
4: easy tackles. the tackles There's no reason why you, you don't, can't do that.
3: You don't hear a lot of you don't hear a lot of this name here, but look at that red field. Look how dominant. There's something they. Look wrong with it. the color? Oh, no, I'm
4: taking,
3: taking Cooper, Cooper. A Cup. Cooper Cup, Eastern Washington University. This kid was the most outstanding wide receiver. When you look at the tape and you look at what he's Pretty what great. he did, I mean, outstanding. And you may look at him for whatever reason and say, nah, maybe I'm not comfortable with him. But this kid is a baller. I think he's going to bring a dimension to the Rams uh, well, wide I'm receiver. I'm glad board.
4: that you took Cooper Cup so I'm going to take John Ross. And I'm going to take John Ross playing opposite A.J. Green. And again, I mentioned opportunity. Something Cynthia talks about, and that is that deep ball, those splash plays, the chunk plays. All I need is one catch with John Ross with a 4-2-2 speed, plus a technician when it comes to running his routes. Technician. And I got myself 11 points in a single catch. Uh, love John Ross playing opposite A.J. Green. Here's a recap of our rookie-only draft. Uh, I end up going Fournette and Ross. Akbar, you go O.J. Howard, Cooper Cup, Elliott, Mike Williams, and Christian McCaffrey, and uh, Fab, Dalvin Cook. You know who Corey, won that draft? Davis. I did. I won that draft.
1: Congratulations. I
2: like OJ Howard pick. You and guys know this pick was rookie tight,
0: tight ends never do anything. All right, you see, uh, you heard them talk about it. You see the list: Nate Fournette, OJ Howard, Mike Williams, and then Dalvin Cook. What I like the best about this is no disrespect to the other guys, but the guy who chose Cook, yeah, he got chosen fourth, which we would rather have seen those guys choose him first. But the guy who chose Cook is Fabiano himself.
2: The expert. The
0: expert in the room. So I like that.
2: He and knows what he's talking
0: about. We hope that he's right. And in our for fun work fantasy league, Adrian Peterson was always like, you know, a high value guy. One of the, you know Everyone wants to have Adrian because we watch him play every week. It's going to be that way maybe with Delvin Cook this year. Probably will. So that'll be kind of fun to watch. Um, all right. What do we got next? Fan mail? We, got, we have some fan mail. Let's International fan mail. The Wob- first. Yeah. Wobcast all over the world.
2: Wobcast worldwide. Here we go. All right. The first question is from where?
0: Malawi, Africa. From Caleb. My man emails me all the time from Malawi. Seriously. Really? Yes. Awesome. This is a good dude. Caleb
2: asks out of draft picks in rounds four through seven, mm-hmm. which do you see having the fastest impact?
0: I see it being Ben Gedeon, linebacker from Michigan not necessarily because I think he's going to come in and earn a starting spot or a prominent role on defense as a Mike linebacker or a Will linebacker but I think he's going to be a special teams guy um, he played um, coverage units at Michigan all the way through his senior season and when you watch highlights of him or watch tape of him he's he's what you want out of a special teams guy um, so I would I would point to Gedeon, Um and I think there's there are other good choices down down the line. Rodney Adams or Stacey Coley maybe as returners slash receivers. We hope Bucky Hodges is one of those guys. Danny Isadora could compete to be a starting guard. Um, but I would go to Ben Gedeon, the linebacker from Michigan, and I think he'll be one of our top three special teams tacklers this season.
2: Bobby from Frisco, Texas asks, now that the draft is complete, what teams do you think will give the Vikings the biggest challenge
0: in 2017? I thought this was kind of a cool question, and so I I researched it. Um, And I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on this, Nate. Okay. Um, We play the Carolina Panthers this year.
2: We do. We did last year, too.
0: Yeah, we did. And we had great success against them last year. We had eight sacks on Cam Newton. Uh, We scored a safety and a defensive touchdown in that game. But I look at they added two dynamic players in this draft on offense. They went with um, Christian McCaffrey out of Stanford, the running back slash receiver, and then another running back slash receiver, Curtis Samuel out of Ohio State. Throw those guys into an offense that features Cam Newton, Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funchess, um, Jonathan Stewart. They have a really good center in Ryan Khalil. They signed Matt Khalil. So I think Carolina's done some work on offense. Now, I don't know that those picks are going to work out necessarily, and you can have the opinion that McCaffrey into Samuel is redundant, that they kind of can do the same things, but if what they can do is really good, why not have two guys who can right. do it? So right. I think that game got a little more difficult because of the draft, or at least a little more interesting because of the draft. The Carolina Panthers' offense, they got some weapons. And – um, So we took care of them last year defensively, but um, it's going to be a little bit of a different look, um, I think, going against them this year largely because of the draft.
2: I'm looking at week three against Tampa Bay.
0: Oh, okay. Let's see. O.J. Howard. Yeah, they just keep
2: adding pieces to that offense. You know, it was a good offense by all accounts last year. You have Mike Evans on the outside, Jameis Winston. You have Doug Martin when he's healthy. Yep. Uh, and then they go out and add Deshaun Jackson. Oh yeah, free agency, and they get O.J. Howard to somehow fall to them in the We're draft.
0: Top tight end in the class. Yeah. So uh,
2: our uh, our defense is gonna have to
0: have their shoes laced up tight and ready to roll that game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two others that that caught my attention. Baltimore, they I think improved their def- or gave their defense a chance to improve. Uh, these are these are rookies. Let's not. Let's not paint them as all pros yet, but they took a corner from Alabama in the first round, Marlon Humphrey. They took a linebacker from Houston, a defensive lineman from Michigan named uh, Chris Warmley, and then they took Tim Williams, a, a linebacker from Alabama. So I thought Baltimore beefed up their defense. Cincinnati took speedy receiver John Ross, running back Joe Mixon, and then two linebackers, Uh, Jordan Willis, and Carl Lawson. So I think Cincinnati did a good job in the draft, too, and the Vikings played both Baltimore and Cincinnati. So, uh, yeah, the draft uh, spiced up the schedule a little bit for the Vikings. That's all right. Question number
2: three from Sam in Philly. Probably went to the draft. I hope he did. He should have. You probably saw him there. There
0: was only 100,000 people there.
2: Yeah. Now that the dust has settled from the draft... As he can attest, in mm-hmm. Philadelphia, literally in Philadelphia, yeah, the, the dust, dust has, has settled settling. in Philadelphia. Yeah. There were some people who gave the Vikes a C grade. I gave them an A grade. Well, uh, we like hearing that, Sam. So right. thank you. Thanks, Sam. I feel some people's expectations were too high. What was your expectation for this year's draft?
0: I like this question, you know, because this, you know, what did we expect going into the draft, and then what happened in the draft? That's a good way to grade it, rather than projecting what we think these players are going to do. Like. If you liked Christian McCaffrey and a team took him, you think that team did a good job in the draft. But if I, li- if I don't like Christian McCaffrey and that team took him, I don't think – I mean, so whatever, you know, I, I just – we don't know what they're going to do. Um, but what, what did you expect out of the draft and then what did you get? That's kind of a cool way to look at it. And I expected the Vikings to add a starter on the offensive line, draft a running back fairly early, and then tack on some depth to the defense. And I think all three of those things happened, and then some. They got a tight end who's got um, a shot to be a contributor, and they added two guys who could be wide receivers slash returners in Rodney Adams and Stacey Coley. Those were bonuses in the draft. But um, the Vikings did what I expected they would do, and so from that standpoint, I was pleased with the draft.
2: Final question from Nolan. Nolan says, I think a lot of us are wondering if we have any plans to add depth to the offensive tackle spots. It was hard to watch our backup tackles last year, and I don't think any of us want to see that again this year. If we do add depth at the position, what's the likelihood that we can get a player of higher quality than our current backups at this point in
0: the offseason? A couple things here. Unlikely you're going to get a big-name free agent signing now um, unless a team cuts a player because... They don't want to deal with that player's salary. They drafted someone to replace that player, whatever. Then it can happen. Um, But free agency has come and gone. The draft has come and gone. So you got who you got right now. Now remember, though, Jeremiah Searles was uh, a respectable replacement for the Vikings, particularly in the back end of last season. And he was kind of penciled in as a starting guard before the draft. Now we've drafted Pat Elfline. We've drafted Danny Isidora. And so I think what that has done is it has beefed up the competition on the interior. Elfline can start at center, and you can kick Berger out to guard. You can leave Berger at at center and play Elfline at guard. Isidora can compete for some depth. Um, as, as a reserve now Searles can kick out and be a tackle and be a backup tackle if you want so I think the Vikings improve their depth by drafting two guards they, they improve their depth at tackle that's kind of how that works I don't expect any big name signings along the offensive line um, between now and, and the start of the season maybe I'm going to be wrong maybe there's a guy out there I'm overlooking maybe some team is going to cut a guy that we can, we can use. Um, I don't know, but I think you pretty much have who you have right now. But remember, we, we signed two starters um, at, at both tackle spots. So um, the Vikings, I thought, made a, a good effort at improving the offensive line this offseason.
2: All right, that's it for fan mail. We get to see rookie players on the field this weekend.
0: Pretty exciting. That is exciting. Um, A bunch of them will be here: draft picks, undrafted free agents who have been signed, and tryout players. They will all be here at winning at Winter Park beginning Thursday. Call it winning park. Winning Park is also what we want to call it. That Um, they get here Thursday. They start practicing Friday with a practice on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You'll see tons of content on Friday. Um, also some on Saturday. And then, of course, uh, next week we'll be recapping all of it and and, uh, we'll be back on schedule with the offseason program and all that good stuff. We'll be back with another edition of the Wobcast next week. I think we'll try and get some of our writers involved because uh, they will have seen three days' worth of practices, so we'd like to get them to opine on some of the players and um, and then OTAs kick off the week of May 22nd. There will be 10 of them um, between May 22nd and the start of the Vikings mandatory mini camp in the middle of June. So no, we're not playing regular season games, but lots of action is going to be happening around here at Winter Park, and we'll be covering it for you and bringing it to you in a lot of different ways, including right here on the Wobcast. Um, so we'll be back next week. Until then, we hope you guys have a great weekend, and we hope you enjoy the coverage and content that we'll be providing from rookie minicamp this weekend on behalf of producer Nate Vaughn I'm your host Mike Wobshaw thanking Greg McElroy once more and thanking you for listening we'll see you next time
1: so yeah.